Good afternoon. Welcome in on this Monday to the Weekend Recap presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors here on PowerMizzou.com. We're going to bring Mitchell Forty in in just a minute and talk about everything that has gone on at Missouri and beyond over the last uh, 48 to 72 hours. And I've debated how to start this. I feel bad. Um, True Sun Exteriors and Interiors has a uh, a really good marketing guy, Jeff, who who wrote us all these clever uh, commercials and plays on Mizzou Sports and all that for their company. But you guys don't seem to be in much of a joking mood lately. Um, even the good things don't seem uh, quite as good as as you want them to be. So I will just tell you that True Sun Exteriors and Interiors is a local company with hometown pride that cares most about your experience and your satisfaction with the finished product. Uh, they do pretty much anything you need around your house, you know, roof, siding, all that, all the stuff on the outside, but also in the last few years have started doing uh, redecorations and uh, remodels on the interior of your home. So if you are interested in getting any of that done, call them at 573-442-7292. You can find them on the internet at truesunexterior.com. We certainly encourage you to do that. And the the analogies of a building process and a rebuilding process and all that almost write themselves these days. Uh, I don't know, Mitch, right now we're kind of stuck in this cycle where even the good thing, like after about two and a half, three quarters on Saturday, I thought, hey, everybody, everybody will probably end up being pretty happy with this. And then after four quarters, I kind of thought, I don't think anybody's going to be very happy with this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you know, yes, it's a win. And uh, I I, also, I don't think maybe Mizzou fans are in position to be incredibly picky right now um, after what we saw a week ago. But, yeah, I mean, like, you would like just, you know, even one of these games against lesser competition. I mean, even the SEMO game, to an extent, there were still things to uh, maybe not be thrilled about coming out of it. So, yeah, you would like to see them actually put together a four-quarter performance at one point. You know, I, I was – Definitely after the game, it more in the camp of someone who, who was not ready to, you know, panic or fire anyone because of that performance or really get too worked up about it. Um, I know some people are not saying you're wrong. I get your frustration. I think part of what my attitude was just I didn't come into that game thinking like, oh, man, you know, maybe Mizzou is still like this, you know, six, seven win team. Maybe that Tennessee game was a complete aberration. I think it was a little bit, but not to the extent. Maybe this defense will just suddenly get fixed. You know, I kind of came in thinking like it was going to be about a two touchdown final score, which it was. And, uh, you know, Mizzou did did have that game in hand, like you mentioned, midway through the second quarter, all the way until about nine minutes left. But yeah, I mean, there's still uh, there's still some issues. That was the funny thing. I mean, I think I picked them 37, 21 or something like that. And in going back through the prediction thread on Sunday morning, what I found was a whole lot of predictions of like 45, 35 and, and 42, 28 and, and 45, 27, right in that range. Right. And, so it was almost like people were mad that what they expected to happen actually happened. And, and I get it. Like, you know, I mean, I, I told friends last night before the Chiefs game, I said Bills by two scores. And then the Bills won by two scores and three scores, actually. And I was fairly irritated while I was watching it. So even though it wasn't unexpected, um, you know, it, it is a little bit frustrating to watch. Uh, if, if we want the uh, spin doctor show, um, Missouri's run defense average went down. The total defense average went down from 500 to, I believe, 499, maybe even 498 point something. Um, so, 
Like, it was a little better, but the problem was the the one thing that North Texas 100% absolutely could not do coming into that game was throw the football. And the one thing they did the entire second half was successfully throw the football. So even if the run defense was better, oh, well, maybe the pass defense is broken now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you know, the run defense was better and the defense as a whole was better. I, I think it's worth noting that I think like 175 of their 300 something passing yards did come in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I, I'm not going to give Missouri a complete pass for that. Certainly, you know, they, I mean, we weren't talking about, you know, third stringers. We we're talking about guys who were on the too deep and, you know, for a team that actually doesn't even have a too deep anymore. But <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, even though the run defense was better, I, at no point was I going to say, like, oh, it's fixed. Like we talked about coming into the game, you're playing against a bad conference USA team. You expected them to be able to do better than they did against Tennessee, which, you know, it was impossible to do worse. So I, I think we'll wait and see. Um, you know, I, I thought Eli Drinkwitz kind of summed it up pretty well after the game. Like, look, no one expected this defense to turn into the 85 Bears overnight or really even just a competent college Maybe, defense. Right. But there were a few things, a few things that might represent a step in the right direction they just got to re, you know replicate those things against better competition yeah i appreciate those of you that are here watching along live with us if uh hit the like button if you've got comments and questions feel free free to throw those in the comment section and we will get to them so yeah I, I don't even think anybody expected them to become the 88 bears i don't know if that was a good team or not to be quite honest yeah. but my i i guess in, in watching that game you know, I know everybody came out of the press conference, hey, no depth chart, and and they all have their own idea of what that means. I mean, did you see anything really different offensively or defensively in that game? Did you see anything that you thought, okay, I see I see there where what they're going for and where the improvement is? Yeah, there wasn't a ton. Obviously, Chad Bailey started at linebacker in place of Blaze Aldridge. I thought he actually played pretty well. He graded out the best of the linebackers on PFF um, and, mm -hmm. you know, made some decent plays. I expect he'll continue to, to st keep that spot moving forward. Obviously, B.J. Harris became the uh, the number the number two running back behind Tyler Beatty, and he ended up playing a fair amount. They actually made an effort to not play Tyler Beatty every single snap, which I thought was probably wise. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't think like, I, I don't know that that like made a big difference from a motivational standpoint or anything like that. And I think this, you know, the, the personnel was largely the same as what we've seen for Mikai um, Wingo started as well. I forgot to mention that. And he, he did play really well. He played a lot of snaps, I think something like I don't 62 know, 56 snaps think, or yeah. something like, yeah, 62 snaps. And he played well. So a few, a few little shakeups that seemed to pay decent returns, but again, I'm not going to claim anything's, you know, drastically changed after playing North Texas. Right. So Cam Cameron uh, brings up something that I think is interesting um, and, and kind of led into what I wanted to talk to next. If you showed me Basilak and the receiver stats from Saturday, I would assume they were playing Georgia to put up those numbers against North Texas is tough to swallow. Now, let's start with this. Missouri ran for 314 yards, right? So it, they put up 41 points offensively. That is a good offensive day. They had a a good offensive day. Not elite, but but plenty good. Um, but they averaged about five yards an attempt. If you take away J.J. Hester's 41-yard touchdown, which I know it's kind of stupid to say, well, let's just not count the best play, right? But on, on all the other attempts, 32 of them, I think, they averaged like 3.95 yards per attempt. Um, I, I do think that that game lent some ammo to the crowd that believes 
I, you know, Connor Bazelak is fine for now, but maybe not the guy that's going to be the quarterback if this program gets to where you want it to be. Yeah, I agree. And I thought that in real time, I anticipated that would be the reaction. You know, just th- those who came into that game thinking maybe Basilak's not the guy probably had that stance strengthened. Um, and others who didn't probably still feel about the same way. I mean, he didn't put the ball in arm's way ever. And that's probably the most important thing you're going to do against a team that's, you know, fairly overmatched when you're running the ball well. Um, but yeah, I mean, like th- there were some issues and especially in the second half, I mean, he wasn't doing anything right in the second half. I think I, I looked at one point and I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but I want to say he started out like 14 of 18 and finished the game seven of seven or I mean, seven of 14. So, you know, completing 50% of his final 14 passes. And I think three, for like 25 yards in the fourth quarter or something like that, or this, maybe even the whole second half. Um, it wasn't great. So, yeah, I mean, there were some issues there. Um, I, you know, I also, uh, while I, I think he's still probably the best quarterback on the roster, I was fairly confused as to why, you know, Cannon York and DJ Jackson and Dawson Downing and guys like that could get in the game, but we couldn't see a backup quarterback in there. My guess is that probably Eli Drinkwitz doesn't want to, you know, have to answer questions about like, oh, you played Brady Cook instead of Tyler Macon. Is he ahead of Tyler Macon? And then you have to worry about Tyler Macon's feelings or something like that. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I still expect like to continue to start, but I think the questions are starting to get valid of, of what's his ceiling in this offense. I also think that we just pay far much attention, too much attention to one player. I mean, it, the offensive line haven't been very good the last couple of weeks. To throw a ball more than seven yards downfield, you've got to have time to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a concern. Second, like, maybe I'm wrong. You're sitting in the press box. You can see better than I can on TV. Was there some just huge chunk of wide receivers running all over the field wide open that he was missing? No, definitely not. Yeah, the, first of all, the offensive line was bad. And I think that's maybe my biggest concern coming out of that game. I mean, yes, the past defense was bad, but we already knew the defense was a kind of a disaster. But the offensive line was rough. I mean, you know, you're playing North Texas. It's not like you're playing, you know, Kentucky. Um, or Texas a and Right. PFF credited uh, North Texas with, I think, 18 pressures, which I think that's high. I think, obviously, it's subjective stat, but it was a lot. I mean, Connor Bazelak was was pressured a lot and you know the run defense or the run blocking wall obviously did something right to run for 300 yards a lot of those were just running backs breaking tackles and then you know not having you know having cut back lines or having open space after they broke a tackle so i think the offensive line is definitely a concern but yeah no i mean like the only time you know i can think of where like i saw a guy running open and basically like missed him was that pass to chance Luper at the end of the half when yes the pass was a little late but it still should have been caught i mean Luper just tripped over his own two feet and fell and i've seen some people knocking Bazelak on that play for you know being late with the throw i mean like clearly that was just a busted coverage it wasn't one of those things he could have just anticipated looper was suddenly going to be wide open it was just like no one decided to cover him probably wasn't his first read saw him a little bit late so yeah i definitely don't want to act like all of the blame is on connor base like and he wasn't asked to throw down the field that much i mean like you know i think part of it's on the electric he only attempted seven passes that went more than 10 yards all game and certainly you know there's probably times when he had the option to throw further downfield and didn't, but uh, I didn't see a ton of those plays where it's like there was a receiver going deep down the field he just ignored. Right, and again, it takes players to get 20 yards downfield is going to take two to three seconds. So you've got Mm -hmm. to have two to three seconds of protection. Um, I want to hit on kind of two other things that are issues in my mind with the offense, and then we'll get to a couple of the questions and and turn our attention to kind of the rest of the country. Um, 
first of all, there was one play, I think it was in the fourth quarter, could have been in the third, but that Basilak did finally keep the ball on his own read. And he went toward the right corner and like never really came close to getting the corner. And that play kind of exemplified like maybe why they don't do it that much. But I, I guess what I'm curious about is I, I, we know he was a wishbone quarterback. What has happened to – I mean, you you can't be a statue and have that work. Even in high school football, I wouldn't think, unless he just – I don't know what his rushing stats were in high school. Maybe he ran the wishbone, but it was just all handing the ball off. I don't know. But I, I guess it it's not a threat at all for this Missouri team, and I don't really know why. I agree. Yeah, I, I I do wonder about his health, and I don't want to speculate on that kind of thing. But like, you know, he's we've seen a lot of different times this year where he's got up grimacing or gimping or whatever. And yeah, he I mean, he looked more mobile even last year. You know, he came in, he scrambled for that touchdown against Alabama. He he ran a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like that. I know exactly what run you're talking about. It it pained me to yeah. watch. Like it was, it looked like it hurt him to try to run. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but that is, that is definitely something that I think, you know, I mean, anytime in any level of football, but particularly college football and particularly Eli Drinkwitz's scheme, I think would help to have that, you know, that dynamic of even just a little bit of a threat of a runner. I mean, it doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson back there, but just right. where you can do that, you know, three I mean, to five times a game. So even Drew, even a Drew Locke back there, right? Exactly. Like Drew was yeah. athletic. He wasn't going to run for 140 yards a game, but he could take off and get you 12 if he needed to sometimes. And yeah, I just don't see it here. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if Brady Cook or Tyler Macon can do that either. So I'm not saying that it would be solved. I just it surprises me with Basilak's background that it just isn't a thing at all. Um, and the other thing that we've talked about, and I know we're we're going to ask some questions about this week, and and you may write about it a little bit is. When your offense, as currently constituted, is so dependent on, you know, raise up and just throw the ball to the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage or jet sweeps or these kind of side-to-side plays that Missouri is running, you have to be getting blocking, not just from the line, but also on the perimeter. I know Drinkwitz mentioned it as an issue in the uh, Tennessee game a few times, and I don't Look, I haven't studied the the all 22 and gone back and watched every play. So I don't know specifically if anybody in particular is having struggles here. But when basically none of these plays are working very well, I've got to believe that there are a lot of plays that Missouri is a block away from maybe getting something and they're not getting that block on the edge. Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm stunned you didn't spend your Sunday, you know, pouring over the L22. I know that's how you usually use that day. (laughs) But yeah, I I think that partially it's, you know, yeah, the blocking on the perimeters and downfield has not been that good. Um, And I also think that some plays are just designed where someone can just make one guy miss. You got to make a guy miss. The only guy we've seen been able to do that is Tyler Beatty. You know, I mean, against, I guess, you know, against SEMO, like Chance Looper did it, but that doesn't really count because it's right. against SEMO. Like, no, no one else, you know, like, I know there was, you know, a play at Mookie Cooper's first touch on Saturday where, like, you know, he kind of started to shake a guy, but the guy ended up making the tackle, and there was no one after that guy. I mean, if he gets past him, it's a touchdown. So, yeah, I think that there's, you know, a combination of, you know, probably some, you'd want some better blocking from the tight ends and the receivers on the perimeter and downfield, and also just, like we've said before, you know, they're, they're still in the process of, of rejuvenating the uh, the wide receiver core and bringing in some playmakers. Yeah, I always go back to that argument uh, when people talk about punt returns, right? Mm-hmm. You're never blocking all 11, well, 10 guys. It just doesn't happen. A punt return for a touchdown 
always is going to be reliant on as soon as you catch the ball, you got to make one guy miss. And a lot of times if you do, there's a lot of space out there if it's blocked well. But if you can't make a guy miss, I mean, it's just not – these plays aren't going to work. And I think you're right. I think that's a major factor. I want to hit up a couple of the questions we've got, and then then we'll kind of maybe talk about some other things in college football. Um, Robert Connolly wants to know if Boo Smith played. I don't remember the exact number of snaps. It it was around five or six. It's what's become pretty standard. Um, I was actually surprised to see J.J. Hester only played six snaps. I mean, you've got guys that are not on the field much but have made some plays in those limited opportunities. And Boo Smith is the one that, I don't know, they always seem to draw something up for him. I'm a little bit surprised there aren't a few more snaps. Yeah, I agree. With, you know, I will say that Mizzou goes super deep at wide receiver, more deep than most teams. and you They play a lot of guys. To, yeah, and you always have the tendency to look at whoever's getting the fewest snaps and be like, oh, why don't they play more? Because, you know, the sample size is smaller, you know. But um, I, I do tend to agree that, I mean, like every time Boo Smith's touched the ball this year, it yeah. seems like good things have happened. And J.J. Hester had that nice play on Saturday, you know. I think, yeah, you would, you'd like to maybe see those two guys get a couple more snaps, but – I don't know. I mean, I don't. I also am not going to pretend like that's suddenly going to make this offense like a whole lot better. Right. I don't think that is the difference between a five-win season and a seven-win season or anything. But when you have a guy who does have two touchdowns and is averaging, I'm going to guess twenty-five to thirty yards a catch. Um, you know, on an offense that really struggles to to throw the ball downfield, um, it is interesting to me that there haven't been a few more snaps. But we are, I, I think picking nits here a little bit um dan wants to know uh, i mean look this is and dan i don't mean to be dismissive of this but this is kind of a form of the question we've been trying to answer for a month does wilk show that he's got a good scheme that could work with more recruits or is he just completely out of his element in college i i'm not going to pretend to know um and we won't know until he does have more good players or more players that i guess they recruited to play in this scheme um, but thus far, no scheme they have run has, has really worked consistently for a, for more than about a quarter. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, yeah, I never know how much is scheme and how much is talent. I do think, you know, we can say with some confidence that it's not all talent. I mean, you know, we said it after Tennessee that there was a lot more issues there than just, you know, players getting blocked and, and missing tackles. And same, I mean, like, you know, in the fourth quarter of this one, again, it wasn't starters out there for the last two touchdowns, but you should be able, you should have, you know, just like second string guys who are capable of stopping North Texas. But there were some guys running absolutely wide open. I mean, it was not guys getting beat. It was guys not knowing their assignment and just like letting receivers run totally free. So I, I, I you know, there's definitely some, uh, some well-earned skepticism there. Um, Cole says forcing the ball to Mookie Cooper was a detriment to the offense and does nothing to wow Luther Burden. Drinkwitz was trying too hard. I, I think there's some truth there. Um, look, they want to get Mookie Cooper going, not just for football reasons, but yes, also for recruiting and, I don't know, call it political reasons if you want, but they would love to get him going. And thus far, it it just hadn't happened. I mean, I think he had like a nine-yard catch at one point on on Saturday that you thought, oh, if he could shake one guy, like you said, it might go for a while. He didn't. And then, I don't know, his other four touches went for like five yards or something like that. It just, it hasn't clicked yet with him in this offense. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I don't want to. Yeah, again, I'm not going to kill Dranquist for this. I think that we're you're, again picking this a little bit, and I do understand the value of trying to just get a player who you think can add something your offense lacks, which is just some explosion. Trying to just get him in a rhythm, get him going, because you know a guy who hasn't played in three years. But yeah, I, I do think that there was a point where it came, it became a little bit like, okay, yeah, this feels forced. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, the he did score on a play that got called back. I think he, I think he actually ended up with one more catch for like ten yards at the bottom. Box score didn't attributed to someone else. The box score was having all kinds of issues <laughs> on Saturday, so I don't know. I, I I can see the point, and and there was one or two, especially in the second half, where when nothing else was working, where I felt like it felt forced. Where I felt like that was a touch that maybe could have gone to you know the guy who's averaging 13 yards a rush, Tyler right. Beatty. But again, I'm not going to act like that's you know the difference in, in winning games or something like that this yeah, season. I forgot he did have a touchdown uh, called back. Uh, Cam says. Martez Manuel has taken a pretty significant step back this year. I thought he could be a future pro, but now it seems maybe he benefited from playing with Bledsoe and Gillespie. I don't think it's that so much as I think this scheme has changed his role more than anyone else's on the defense, and maybe he was better suited to do what he did last year because he told us at the beginning of this year he was more or less a linebacker last year. Yeah, he, he did not do a ton of coverage. And actually, when he was in coverage, it generally wasn't very pretty last mm-hmm. year. And I remember distinctly him getting beat by that Georgia running back out of the backfield on a third down. And yeah, I mean, I, I think he just, yeah, definitely, I think it's fair to say he hasn't lived up to, to kind of the expectations he had entering this season, whether it's because he was playing with better players or playing a different role, whatever. It, it I think he's one of the guys for sure who you're you're fairly disappointed with right now. All right. There's company on the defense, by the way, there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Last uh, last question, over under 2.5 players who visited Mizzou this past weekend ending up at Mizzou. So really what this is asking, is Mizzou going to get Luther Burden or Mark Mitchell? Because Sam Horn was here and he is ending up at Mizzou. Aiden Shaw was here and he is ending up at Mizzou. So are they getting Burden or Mitchell? I, I'm pretty comfortable saying they are not getting Mark Mitchell. Um, and, and I refuse to say, like, I think they're getting Luther Burden because I know what that turns into. I think they have an excellent shot to get Luther Burden, but I don't know for sure that they will. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I could actually do the total you know, caveat. There was, there were several other committed, right? Like Max Wisner was there. Yeah, so I assume he's asking, yeah, I'm not committed players. I don't know. I mean, that Tyrone Weber guy was there, too. Uh, we haven't uh, caught up with him yet, but he did set a commitment day coming off the visit, which, you know, maybe means good things for Mizzou. I don't know. I I, uh, I agree with, with your assessment. Don't don't feel comfortable. Feel confident they're not getting Mark Mitchell. Not going to say for sure either way with Luther Burden, but we know where they're in the top two and have been in a good spot for a while. But who knows how, you know, what he's going to think after coming off the visit to Georgia. Weber, you know, seems like they have a decent chance, somewhat unknown. I think that's all the people he could be asking about. So Yeah, so if you set it at 2.5 and give me Shaw and and Horn as two of them, I'll take the over because I think they'll get somebody. Whether that's burden or not, we'll you know we'll find out in eight days. We're we're running out of show, uh, running out of shows to uh, kind of hype up the Luther Burden commitment <laughs> at this point. So um, want to uh, real quick. Uh, speaking of hyping things up, take a quick break to remind you about True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. They can help anybody looking to upgrade their newer existing home. Sometimes you need a professional to come see your space and help it make for. M- 
help make it work for you. The team over at True Sun was voted the best of Columbia 2021 when it comes to home remodeling. Their experienced team can do it all. It's not just a name, it's a passion. Call True Sun today at 573-442-7292, a longtime Columbia company and uh, certainly supporters of Mizzou Athletics as well. So we usually kind of spend some time talking about a, a few other things that happen in college football. So I just want to start here because it's topical. Um, Texas A&M comes in this weekend. Well, how the hell did that happen? I, I mean, what in the? I watched it and I don't know how it happened. Yeah, I, I you know, did not get to watch much. It did was on in the press box while we were writing, so I was glancing up occasionally. But I mean, just proof that like crazy things happen when you've got 18 to 22 year old kids yep. on the field and Alabama was the one team who was always, you know, not susceptible to that. They could always, you know, find a way and uh, keep it rolling. But yeah, pretty crazy. Did not see that one coming. I will say like, I, I mean, I'm in, in no way am I going to predict, you know, Mizzou beats Texas A&M, but I actually, I do kind of feel like this is maybe like best case scenario for Missouri because A&M is extremely banged up. We, we obviously don't know the status at this point of Zach Calzada or their running back. I forget his name. Um, but Spill. and you know, yeah. yeah. And like definitely ripe for a hangover, you know, coming off of it by far their biggest win in years and then coming to play a, uh, an 11 AM game that maybe has a little bit of a sleepy feel to it. So, you know, I'm not, I mean, Mizzou has a chance that said, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go so far. They can probably still hand the ball off to someone. Right. I'm not going to go so yeah. far as to say Mizzou's going to win. Yeah, while I wouldn't pick them, I think that game actually should encourage Mizzou fans at their chances. Yes. Not only because of what you said about A&M, but also because it just shows, look, that like sometimes teams just pull out a performance that they haven't shown all year. A&M has not only not been that team all year, they've been bad. Like they have been bad through six through five weeks of this season or four weeks, I guess. And then all of a sudden, it, now look, it took some cooperation from Alabama. Alabama was not its best self, certainly, on Saturday. But the most impressive part of that game to me was AM jumps out, and I mean, they're rolling. And I texted somebody and I said, Oh my God, how is this happening? And then literally the next play, Alabama blocked a punt and recovered it for a touchdown. And I said, Oh, never mind. Alabama is winning this game. And Alabama took the lead, and A&M came back. It was not like they just blitzed them from the start. It, it, they got down, and this guy who – I have read some coverage of Texas A&M this year because I often like to read coverage of teams that do poorly because I think it's amusing. I mean, the media was crushing Zach Calzada. If they were running the team, he would have already been in the transfer portal before Saturday. And then all of a sudden, it was just – Boom, he had the best day of anyone in college football. And so those things can happen. Now, probably A&M fans actually watch that game and go, oh, cool, where was that? Like against Arkansas or against Mississippi State. <laughs> so so what you're telling us is we're legitimately good enough on our best day to get to the playoff. We just have zero chance to get to the playoff because we pissed ourselves for three weeks. Right. Yeah. No. And, and yeah, going back to your point about showing that anything can happen. I mean, like that was the game that has been circled since, I don't know, last year. And since Jimbo At ran his mouth in the offseason, like yeah. that was a huge game. I mean, this is kind of that for Mizzou. I know it, it had been talked about by a lot of people as kind of the marquee home game for this season. Certainly, you know, people thought Mizzou was going to be better than three and three at the time. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do think that there, it just goes to show that, yeah, with, with young kids like, you know, 
getting everyone getting getting people excited getting some you know excitement about a game and and potentially having the other team maybe not feel the same way can go a long way uh just a couple other things um first of all i saw a stat that said iowa is like fifth in the country in punts and they're undefeated <laughs> and ranked number two in the country which i think is incredible like We've joked a lot during Missouri basketball games that we wanted to gouge our eyes out watching some of Conzo's games, and Conzo was just on the sideline going, oh, my God, this is amazing. I love watching. That's Kirk Ferentz. That's him in football. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not get to watch any of that Iowa game because it was obviously either. going on at the exact same time as Missouri. But, yeah, I, they they can't keep just winning off of intercepting guys I think and they playing can. field position, but, like, they, they keep doing it. Now they don't have that many good teams left on their schedule until uh, – the big 10 title game so good for them you know obviously I, I think that's kind of one of those programs that it's like mizzou fans can look to and be like hey if we get the right guy maybe that could be us same with you know like wisconsin when they were when they you know before this year basically right, so yeah right. uh kind of fun to see a little fresh blood in there for sure i mean I, I think anybody in the country that is not a fan of the teams that always are in the playoffs should be rooting for Iowa. Let's see them there. I, and look, maybe they get drilled. I don't know. I don't think if they lined up against Georgia, I don't think they can beat Georgia, but at least give them a shot. Um, the other team that at this point, if they don't, if they won't run the table and Cincinnati does not get in, then I hate college football and I don't ever want to watch another game because they can't do any more than they've done. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a scenario, I guess, where you've got, you know, Oh yeah. I, I there's know, a scenario, you know, where you've got Alabama winning out and then beating Georgia in the SEC title game, Oklahoma stays undefeated and you've got a big 10 mm -hmm. champ with zero or one losses. And, and I could see how they could justify leaving Cincinnati out. But yeah, no, I mean like at a certain point, you, you know, yeah. If they run the table, uh, I would love to see it. Obviously. I know we talked about it even yeah. last year. I, I thought it was, you know, I would have liked to see it then. And I'm not, not guaranteeing, like you said, that they're going to all of a sudden, you know, get their chance and win, but it's just, you know, you want to be able to, I mean, like you said, they've done all you can and you want to have, you know, you don't want to have two thirds of the country just start every season saying, uh, we've got zero chance at making the playoff. Even if we win all of our games, it would be nice to see some right. access. There. And and here's the problem. I am more, I am more likely to watch a Cincinnati, Iowa national semifinal than I am to watch an Oklahoma, Ohio state national semifinal. The general public is not more likely to watch that game. And that's why it keeps being one loss, Alabama, one loss, Ohio state in, in these games, because they know deep down, like it, it Look, I want the Brewers and like the Rays in the World Series. The TV people want the Dodgers and the Red Sox because that's right. what most people are going to watch. So, yeah, for I sure. Guess, what I'm really saying is I'm just a better fan than those people. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. The last the last one, and I don't. You probably were driving to Columbia, so didn't didn't really see any of this one. I watched a decent amount of it. What the hell, Texas? Yeah, I actually so the the 11 a.m. window was like the one slate of games I got to watch a bit of because I, I I got into press box in time to watch the whole fourth quarter basically of that game and the uh, the Arkansas Ole Miss game which was also that was amazing insane yeah yeah just incredible but yeah I uh, I so yeah I mean I wasn't like you know locked in on it but you know I got into the press box and I think Texas was leading by I don't know I was like. 3817 28 20 like in the third quarter yeah. Yeah. and uh and yeah the next thing i knew you know Caleb Williams was in the game and Oklahoma couldn't be stopped and yeah it was wild so 
Um, pretty crazy. Like you said, just a, generally a great day of college football. We had craziness going from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, probably you got to be in person at the most exciting game of the day. I know Missouri North Texas was just riveting. Everyone was trying to find out how to get to SEC Network to watch that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, you know, just glazed over for about two thirds of the game and then came to and it was still the same thing was happening. So, yeah. So, hey, but this week should be at least more interesting. Who knows if it's more competitive or, or whatever, anything can happen. But at least uh, at least there's a little more intrigue and there should be a few more uh, eyeballs on this one. So I don't know. Um, I guess uh, anything else? uh no not really i think we've uh we've covered it um i don't know i think that the the people who were furious on saturday that we weren't mean enough about mizzou and that that everything was a disaster and people should get fired after a win by friday will probably be predicting a win this week and then yes. the cycle will start all back over right and that's then my on, prediction. Uh, yes on sunday more people need to be fired i think this is a good place to end it uh dan says that the general public wants Stephen a smith and colin cowherd but he wants you and me so I guess at least one person thinks we're better than those guys. Yeah, we will, we actually we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, we agree. We'll take it. So, uh, all right, Mitch, thanks. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you later, man. Sounds good. All right, uh, Mitchell Forty, we are letting him uh, log off, and I want to remind you one more time that True Sun Exteriors and Interiors makes this show possible all season long for you guys. We will be here um, every week throughout the season. There will be one Monday uh, where we're not here, but every other Monday we're going to be here. And uh, true, true is their name. True Sun is rooting for the Tigers on game day on the construction site. Their integrity, ingenuity, and attention to detail sets them apart from the competition. They believe in delivering a high-class experience to their customers. It's not just a name. It's a passion. True Sun exteriors and interiors. Get a hold of them at 573-442-7292 for any home renovation or remodeling questions you might have. So appreciate you guys uh, joining us. Uh, I think that's the last we're going to talk about North Texas. I promise. We'll talk to Eli Drinkwitz tomorrow. Um, Maybe Steve Wilkes. We'll see if he makes another appearance uh, in front of the media, see where that all goes. Um, Sean and I will have the recruiting show um, gearing up for the start of a potentially very big recruiting week for Missouri. We'll go uh, live, usually do it on uh, Tuesday mornings around 1030. So we'll do that before I hop over and go to uh, Drinkwitz's press conference. Thanks for watching, guys, and we will catch up with you later.